0: hey now hey now good morning it is wednesday and um wednesday the 17th so a year and two days since the quarantine pandemic really took hold here in the united states of america and um this is your bi-monthly, bi monthly, I guess it's the bi weekly Instagram radio video single format, single person format radio show in the stylings of old radio where the narrator tells a story for twenty minutes. And it's titled the Coffee Schmooze Podcast, and I'm your host. And uh something very, something very strange happened in New York the past week. And if there's a conductor of the universe, this is one of his many little, or hers, one of her or his many little tricks to fuck with everybody. It's been freezing. It's been a freezing, dark, cold winter. And then on March 12th, It was 64 degrees and sunny, and everyone was outside. Everyone was outside. In winter, you forget how hot everybody is because everybody's inside. But then when you go outside and 64 degrees and you see everyone, you're like, holy shit. Everyone here is just fucking beautiful. And it's a different kind of beauty than Los Angeles. It's a different kind of beauty. And in my theory of why I... It's like... um It's an energetic beauty here. It's an energetic beauty. Because it's not a superficial beauty. Because I feel like because everyone's walking so much here. They're walking. It's just their blood flow is better. In LA, everyone's just sitting around all the time. So, you in new york people are walking everywhere so their blood is pumping and then they're in relatively good shape like no one's in amazing shape here but no one's in terrible shape but it's just because of like the blood pumping and like that steady fit walking body that everyone's fucking gorgeous and everyone here really doesn't give a fuck that and that's and that's very attractive too And people are just physically attractive here also. And it was nice to see. It was nice to see. I made a decision. I mean, it's not like spring where all the ladies are wearing their summer dresses. And you're like this. It's like you're in a Fellini movie. And everyone's just whizzing by and it's beautiful. But it was a nice day. It was a nice day. I walked outside and... There's a bodega across the street from where I live that has picnic benches. And so I went and got a a sparkling water because I'm working to cut out sugar and bread from my diet because I want to be cut, you know. I'm tired of, I'm tired of having the, oh, he's athletic, but he doesn't put good things into his body type of body. It's like strength with like a thin layer of fat over it. I wanna, I wanna cut out the thin layer of fat. You know, for a while I was like, the thin layer of fat's cool. Like, if you ever saw um Robert Tractor Trailer, he was like this NBA player with a big old body, but he could play. And so I was like, well, what's the point of getting the nice body if you can play? But now as I've gotten older, I I've become more vain, and I realize that um I just want to be cut. So anyways, I got the sparkling water. There was a woman sitting on the bench, and she uh she was cool. She was like about six feet tall. She wore this uh green jumpsuit and she was a big woman and she had red long red hair and these wearing these big cat style sunglasses and she was smoking yellow American spirits and we were hanging out just both glowing about how nice of a day it was just talking about how nice of a day it was and she had an interesting story she um her both of her parents she was raised by two two lesbian women in the bay area in santa cruz and then she moved to new york for like 10 years or whatever and then moved to San Francisco for like 4 or 5 years and she was just like I couldn't do it. It's so lame there. Everyone is so lame. I couldn't do it. It's just so lame. And I was like it's it's just white. San Francisco is just white people shit. You know, it's not it's a city of the whites. Um you know, it's not it doesn't have like that cracking diverse thing anymore you know it's just kind of a a bland white people city full of tech companies and that's what i also said it's also a gold rush city it's about people go to san francisco there's not a lot of people in the city who are going for the passion like sure new york city gold rush city wall street Corporate law firms, real estate. These are all things There's true. But then there's a whole other sector of people who are driven by the arts, who just want to make fucking art. And that balances it out. And that kind of, those two worlds come together and create something that doesn't exist in San Francisco. And so she agreed. And she would love to live in the neighborhood we live in. And I told her, I was like, she said, it feels good. And I said, you know what? I've come to that too. I've come to that too. Like I know exactly what I want to be doing and I know exactly where I want to be. And it's lift. It's the, the, I don't have existential anxiety anymore. Like the existential anxiety of where do I want to live and who do I want to be have completely dissipated from my life. I'm completely content with the things I'm doing and where I'm living, and it feels amazing. And she goes, well, that's a major breakthrough. And I was like, holy shit, you just said it. Because she said, I feel that way too. She's like, I'm exactly happy where I am and what I'm doing. And it's a major breakthrough. And to be on the other side of the existential anxiety is a wonderful feeling. My uncle, I have a hippie uncle. Who, when I told he, when I turned twenty seven, he he told me that at like atoms have a lifespan of or turned of six years or no it was something six or seven years 27 28 Adams have a lifespan of six or 27 seven years and like they kind of mark these chapters in human development like there's alignment between the atoms um their lifespan and like the psychological journey people go through and he said for the six years in your 20s that's when you're you're just you're discovering meaning you're like you're trying to figure out your philosophy and then after that the next six which is like what i'm in starting 27 to 33 or 28 or whatever you start being concerned about what you're gonna give leave back to the world what are you what are you gonna leave behind it's it starts become legacy building and uh you know and that's why you see a lot of people have kids around this time because that's what they want to leave behind to the world another another person so she and i had this magical thing on the beautiful day and then the following days it was just shit it went back to fucking shit. The it's freezing cold outside. It's freezing cold. Everything that was outside is now cold, shut down, and it's really fucking cold. So that's that's the ramble. But you know It's just you can take a lesson from the universe. If you really want to fuck with someone, you deprive them of something for a long time, you give them a taste of it, and then you return to depriving them of it. But to deal with the cold, I've been uh, going a lot to the rock climbing gym. And at the rock climbing gym, I've noticed that that it's very sexual there. There's a very... Very sexual vibe. And it happens within couples in this style of foreplay where basically one member of the couple is a more experienced rock climber than the other member. And so that person, usually the man, or the more experienced lesbian rock climber will coach the other the less experienced rock climber and watch and coach and they'll walk around the gym together and sometimes the lesser rock climber will act a little bit like like a child like like she's with daddy or mommy and this happens all over the rock climbing gym. The teaching, the learning, and the sexual tensions out of control. It's out of control. I'll be climbing next to this thing and I'm like, you know, who are we really teaching rock climbing here? Is that really what's going on? You know, or is that what you guys are really doing? Or is this just foreplay? And the answer is just foreplay. But um, I don't really like that style of foreplay. Like I've been a surfer for about, you know, eight years now. And often in the surfing journey, you'll have opportunities or people will ask you and they'll be like, David, David can you teach me how to surf and my answer is always no i do not because it because it ruins the surfing experience for me and i imagine it would ruin the rock climbing experience too if you were to have to teach someone it's like it's just not my cup of tea i don't blame i don't blame people for doing it but it's just not my cup of tea. I don't wouldn't I wouldn't want to I don't get the pleasure. I don't get this pleasure of teaching someone how to rock climb. It just I just don't I don't get it. For one, I don't find myself to be a qualified rock like a good enough rock climber to teach someone else or to give any pointers. Like I'm just figuring this stuff out. On my own. So to be able to try to teach someone. How to rock climb. I would feel like I would be a fraud. And then I see people. Who aren't that much better than me. Teaching and I'm like. You're probably instilling. Poor form. Into these young learners. Like what. What are you doing? I was like the ego. The ego. The gall. The gall to be doing that. I just, I was like, how selfish can you be? And who to think that you could be qualified to teach rock climbing? You're an amateur. You don't know how to rock climb. And then you're teaching this poor, innocent person who's looking up to you. And you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So this is how I feel on a daily basis. I don't feel jealous. I don't feel jealous. I once had, a while back, I once had a, uh, a very pretty lady ask me if I wanted to be rock climbing partners with her at the rock climbing gym. Of course, I was like, of course, that's great. So, I meet her at the rock climbing gym, and it's nice to see her. And we rock climb, but she's like very controlling and very bossy. But I was like, "Hey, look, I'll just go along for the ride on this thing." Like, you know what? Does she wants to be in control? I don't give a shit. And she had been rock climbing much longer than I have. So she was like wanted to be in the teacher role or whatever. I was like, fuck, I don't give a shit. Like, let's, my, one of my themes of the, of the pandemic is to let go of control. So I was like, all right, I don't give a shit. Let's do this, whatever. And, you know, she wasn't that much better at rock. She wasn't better at rock climbing than me. She wasn't. Just, it's just the fact she wasn't. And then we were walking away. We were in the rock climbing gym and I was like, "Hey, you, you want to grab a cup of coffee? Like you want to get out of here?" And she said, "Okay." And then we were walking to get a cup of coffee and then she said, "I just want to be full full disclosure, like I have a partner. I'm engaged." And I was like, "What the I was like, "What a wasted what a waste of my time." I told her. I was like we, I was like, "You just wasted like she was like, Well, do you want to still be rock climbing buddies? I was like, I'm not gonna be your rock climbing gym boyfriend. I'm you know, I'm not gonna be the office boyfriend. You know, that's a that's a waste of my time and energy. I'll see you around, but I mean, I was like, that should be a little bit you should be a little bit more upfront. You should have been a little bit more upfront before you asked me out and then tried to control me at the rock climbing gym. I said, That's not cool. I was like that was deceitful. It was deceitful. You were not up front. And no, I do not want to be your rock climbing gym boyfriend. You have a fiance. But I still bought her a cup of coffee and we still like fucking chopped it up. It's a pandemic, you know. People are people are doing screwy shit. You can't be too hard on people. But I was I thought I thought that was poor form. I was like, "Look, I'm in my 30s. Well, I'm 29. You know, I don't have time to be your rock climbing boyfriend." But no, it, the system the system remains the same. I wake up in the morning, I write, and that's ripping my guts out. And this is a form of writing. This is my bi-weekly writing. And then after I do that, I paint. And painting replenishes all the guts that I've ripped out from writing. And painting's kind of a cruisy thing. I'll cruise on it throughout the day. And then I'm working also. I do my work, my job, how I contribute to society at the moment... and then in the afternoon I'll rock climb. And I'll see I'll see the people, I'll see the acquaintances. And the rock climbing gym is like could be one of the least funny, like the least funny group of people. It's just they're just they're not funny people. There's there's l- like there's little to no sense of humor at the rock climbing gym. There's no um there's it's a very serious very serious place. It's very, very serious. Um, I don't know why. It's a little nerdy. It's very brainy, problem solving, but it's not funny. There's not fun. There's not a not a whole lot of humor. But they play the best music. I mean, to be in Brooklyn listening to Notorious B.I.G. on his birthday while you're bouldering is pretty sick. I was trying to think of like who like the funniest like who are what type of group sport comes with the funniest people and I think basketball like basketball players are hilarious cuz they just cuz it's like you need that it's like that confidence and like jazziness like the confidence and the danceiness and the shit talking is a good recipe for for humor, and, uh, that's, that's it, that's all I have to say, I did this out of routine, I don't think it was a great podcast by any means, but I have to, it's just a routine.